longest off-season in sport is over. The best podcast in sport is back. This is the official Isuzu Ute A-Leagues podcast brought to you by Neds. If you don't know already, Neds is the official wagering partner of the Isuzu Ute A-Leagues. And when you place a match result bet on any A-League men's game, if your team leads by two goals at any point in the game, you'll be paid out early. That is taking it to the Neds level. Please remember to gamble responsibly. Daniel Garb here with you again. Delighted to be so. Missing my regular cohort of the last few seasons in Robbie Cornthwaite, but uh, very much enthused to have these two men alongside me for week one of the official A-Leagues podcast review. Another Robbie in Thompson and the great Tom Smithies. Hello, gents. Hey, Robbie. How are you? Yep. Happy to replace a, a Robbie with a Robbie. Yes, neither of us is as tall as Robbie Cornthwaite, but, you know, we'll do what we can. Gentlemen, it's... Uh, it's great to have it back. We're going to go through every game in detail, all the big talking points, um, but it just feels like we've settled into a bit of normality again now that the football is has returned. Absolutely. I mean, I, I spend an off-season just twiddling my thumbs waiting for it all to start. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a, the biggest fan of the other codes, even though I, 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 I can watch them, but I just honestly just spend my time waiting for the football to start again. So I'm pleased it has. And it was so nice to spend a Sunday afternoon watching football, just pottering, doing a few things, having the football on, two games, and uh, one of them better than the other, but we'll get to that in a minute, but just to have the football back, fantastic. And the weekend was punctuated by a sensational Big Blue on Saturday night, which was certainly the centre point of the action. We'll talk about that in detail, along with every single game and the big talking points, as I said, and we thank uh, being allowed to do that by the good people at Neds. This episode is brought to you by them, along with the A-League's official podcast in general. If you don't know already, Neds is the official wagering partner of the A-League's, and when you place a match result bet on an A-League men game, and if your team leads by two goals at any point, you'll be paid out early. That is taking it to the Neds level. Please always remember to gamble responsibly, but we do thank Neds for their support, and if you go along to their social media uh, platforms, you might find some pretty cool A-League's features as well on several personalities uh, in the league, so make sure you check those out during the season. The Danny Vukovic one last week uh, was a cracker. Charlie Austin, Daniel Arzani coming up in the next few weeks. So uh, they add a fair bit to uh, your A-League content. And it all got going again on Friday night, Robbie Thompson. You were there. The grand final rematch. Never a replay, but a rematch. And uh, Melbourne City exacted a morsel of revenge because just like you can't have a grand final replay, you can't have revenge if you lose the title either in its full sense. But uh, a morsel of it for Melbourne City. Western United have to be careful, very careful. Oh, McLaren! There's Rob Leo Lacroix. And then cool, as you like, just lifted the ball over. I think they came into the game wanting to make a good start, obviously. Probably looking for a little bit of revenge. You can't, as you say, you can't get revenge. You can't turn that result around. You're not going to get a trophy for winning the opening day of the, the season. But, you know, there were a few monkeys on backs. I mean, last year, let's not forget, Melbourne City were the best team in the competition and, and failed to beat any other side in the top four. So this was a, you know, a symbolic victory, a symbolic way to start as well. Patrick Kisnorbo getting one over John Aloisi, who had the wood on him as well. And there was plenty of talking points throughout the game. The big one was who had stolen Leo Lacroix and replaced him with a, with a lookalike. Are you because... sure that was the biggest talking point in the game, Robbie Thompson? I, I would remind you that this is a family show, so can you watch your language, please? There was a, a talking point that came out after 
But uh, that was a really curious one. That was just a perfect storm of, of, of emotion and, and perhaps a little technical glitch or something. They were, they just so should we make it clear, you, you didn't swear on it. I didn't air. say anything untoward that I, that I – certainly no one there at the, that was in the room heard anything. The, 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 all the staff working, nobody heard it live. It was just someone picked it up and said, oh, what, what was that? Had to listen to it again and then no one can unhear it. But I certainly just went, Phwah! The best part was you had Daniel McBreen <laughs> providing a character defence. And as he said himself on Twitter, he's not necessarily the best person for that, but it was good to see him supporting you nonetheless. Absolutely, no. Macca, <laughs> Macca it, we should actually get a camera in for the halftime chat and the pre-chat and the post-game chat because there there would be no defence possible. <laughs> that would be, be A-League X rated, though, wouldn't exactly. <laughs> um, so, But from a footballing point of view, absolutely right. I mean, um, some defending you would never have seen last year yeah it was it was i mean he they were caught on the ball macca in his post-game analysis was uh, i think very good in the way he said it's not only leo lacroix just the same way a team wins with 11 players you lose with 11 players and you can have individual mistakes but lacroix when he's caught in possession for example let's not forget he almost opened the scoring as well great save from tommy glover both goalkeepers were great but but if he doesn't have any options he's got a you know, sit on the ball, try and make something happen, and you can you can get caught in possession. We saw it, I think, with Trent Sainsbury with the Socceroos earlier. You know, they were playing so deep. When you play so deep, you get caught in possession, you pay the ultimate price. And that's what happened to poor old Leo Lacroix. He could have been sent off for a, another challenge, right, you know, right on the, the edge of the box when Tilio was heading through. Mm. There were... There were lots of moments, but look, he had such an outstanding year last year. I'm sure it'll bounce back. Yeah, the A-League's Van Dyke um, off to a slow start, it's fair to say. but Great he, finish, McLaren as well, because he still, that was a precious situation. It was a superb finish. We'll talk about that, but the two keepers you made a point of, and, and Jamie Young just continues his sensational form from last season. But Tom Glover's performance, I think, is critical for him because he did have a slightly sluggish campaign last time out by his standards. And at this point in his career, I think it's critical that he has a big season. I mean, you don't want to fall away from that Socceroos pack, the chance of going overseas, etc. He's still got lots of time in his career, but he needs a big one. So he's off to an important start for him, I think. If you look at this, the goalkeepers in the Socceroos squad, I can see three of those not continuing much longer, yeah. certainly beyond the World Cup. I mean, Mitch Langerak has come out of retirement, but... I'm not sure how much longer he'll hang around for. Um, ditto Danny Vukovic, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so Matt Ryan's going to have to play, you know, till he's for years and years. But but Tom Glover was the anointed one. He was the early Roos goalkeeper. And then he fell away badly last year. He, you're absolutely right. He needs a big year. And I thought that was a big statement from him. A cracking early save. It sort of set the tone. Um, still, I still think he's got to work on his distribution um, because it's so, such an important part of the way City play. But uh, but I think he's, he's fundamentally a good goalkeeper who maybe you'd, I wouldn't say had it easy because, you know, he went abroad when he was very young, went to Spurs when yep. he was still a teenager. Um, um, but he's he's just – the progress so far has been pretty seamless. And I think sometimes you need that glitch in order to, to re-establish, you know, who you are. You had a big year or so with the Olympics. Maybe it all just took its toll. Maybe it was just a lot of football, a lot of pressure in a short space of time for he a lost, youngster. He lost his place last season very briefly as yep. well to Sutton for a couple of games. And there were, that's when really the, the questions were being asked. But he responded superbly in his opening showing. Jamie McLaren's goal was was very uh, nice, as you said, a, a calm finish. I think he's about 75% of the way there for the World Cup squad anyway, but it doesn't hurt to score a goal like that in front of Graham Arnold when he's jostling through those striking positions for Qatar. 
Absolutely not, especially when the Socceroos are going to have precious few opportunities. They're going to have to take them, and that's exactly what he did. You know, dispossessed Lacroix, and then brilliant finish. Mm. And it, it was that thing of, of the, the the key moment in the game that uh, that sets the, the the two teams apart in the end. And uh, great reminder to Graham Arnold um, of what he can do. The F three derby. Speaking of Socceroos options in the the striking areas, um. Garon Quoll and Jason Cummings, who weren't picked to start. Maybe the weather, if the game had taken place, factored in, in Nick Montgomery's thinking there. But they don't get a chance to to impress and get one of those games, of which there are very few, under their belt before that squad is selected. We'll get on to the tribute for Matt Simon. With that game being postponed, how big of an issue might it be, do you think, for Quoll and Cummings? Well, it's a big one because the way it's going to unfold is that Graham Arnold had to submit a, a long list of 55 at the end of this week. And so, or maybe the very beginning of next week. And so, basically, the players had two rounds to get on that long list, and then it, the the thirty, the twenty-six man final squad has to come from that long list, obviously. So then, those on it have another four weeks to try and get into the final twenty-six. So really, it's coming for those Mariners guys. It's down to one game now to uh, to. All right, they've got a body of work they can point to already, but to show that they're fit, they're firing, they're in form, they really want, and they really deserve to go. They're going to have one game to show it. Yeah, I think the fact that Graham Arnold chose 31 players for the last international break means that there is room to manoeuvre. And so every game is important. Yes, there is a body of work. Yes, we know what Garen Quall can do. Yes, we know what Jason Cummings did last year. But the fact that there were so many players in that Socceroo squad means that there are spaces up for grabs and you don't want to get caught behind the eight ball. Neither player was starting, but that's just because they were away with the, the, the Socceroos and Garen Quall then headed off to England as yeah. well. I think Nick Montgomery told us in the pregame chat that he'd played 17 minutes in the last month as well as all the international travel and hadn't been training. So, you know, you can't play. He's got to look after his job as well. He's there to win football matches. And here's the interesting thing from Grant Quell's point of view. He's in the under-20 squad, which is announced on Monday. Yeah. And he's gonna, they're gonna, they've got an insane schedule. Three games between Friday and Tuesday. It's a game every other day. And um, it's not a huge, huge squad. So he's going he's gonna to see a lot of game time. Uh, in some ways, people have been saying, why, why is he not playing in the, in the A-League? Um, but the fact that he wasn't starting at the weekend, he hasn't started a game, I suspect he will start for the Young Socceroos. I wonder whether he'll actually get more game time in that tournament. And he's only going to miss one game for the Mariners because of that crazy schedule. Mm. So we could actually end up with quite a lot of grand qual minutes. Physically, he is very small as well. And playing, starting and playing with a, 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 an aged squad against players your age is a lot better than taking on these men who are big, the league is very physical, and he, he's still a, a small kid. He said it himself. He's going and he, he needs to work physically. He needs to build up his muscles. He needs to become a stronger physical player on the pitch to match it in European football. He's got the pace. He's got the excitement. He's got the courage, the bravery, the confidence. But physically, it's going to be tough. So, you know, I, I can understand why he hasn't started so many matches, why he is getting 15, 20, 20 minutes, 40 minutes at the moment. I'd still love to see him go. A 26-man squad... I think you can carry a player in a 23-man squad. You certainly can in a 26. Now, I know we shouldn't be handing out World Cup spots willy-nilly, but sometimes you have to take into account the context. And we could use the good publicity going into this World Cup of a phenom on the scene, of which he is. doesn't mean he's going to live up to that potential. We certainly hope he does. But the talent is there. The move to Newcastle is there. It'd be, it'd be nice to get behind that story. And I think he would add a lot to the squad as well. Yes, he has obviously um, issues right now in terms of his physicality and his his youthfulness. But 
He's got personality. We know that. Mm. Obviously, the talent we're all aware of. But he's got such confidence. And I think that player without any sort of mental scars yet of the environment of a World Cup, like we saw from Daniel Azani four years ago, just around the training ground, that confidence, that exuberance, that talent, it has an impact, I think, on the squad. So I'd love to see Graham Arnold take him. I really would. I think it would be fantastic for the team as a whole and for the discussion around the World Cup squad. Well, I think he deserves it from what we've seen so far in terms of an exciting... Oh, I, I think, think he's does as well. being carried in a 26-man squad. I can't think of a, a... When you're choosing the best 26 players in your country, I don't think you need to say, well, we'll throw a dog a bone and, and take a kid on just as an extra. There's a great photo from the Barcelona game. Now, I know he put the ball wide ultimately, but he's running into the box. And he's got every Barcelona defender running after him. So he's done it against one of the world's best defences. And he's not, you know, wasn't overawed, came on, proved it. He's done it. We've seen it with the Mariners. We've seen it with the Socceroos. Yeah. He's, a, he's a moment Caesar. Well, that play against New Zealand, you have to ask which other players in the squad can do that off the bench. So against Denmark, against Tunisia, you know, Australia's getting push back, struggling to break things up. Who's the one player you can look to in that squad to open it up? I'd say he's a better option than than most, certainly in the striking uh, selections. So, yeah, I think he goes. And that's the talking point that we want leading into that squad selection. It's what makes it exciting. And as a little segue into the big blue, I'm going to throw another name into the mix. Chris Economides did himself yeah. no harm at all in front of Graham Arnold on Saturday night, coming off the bench. And I thought it was a really interesting tale of substitutions I thought Sydney's substitutions didn't work and I thought that victories turned the game and particularly Economides I mean his run from the left wing to arrive at the far post to meet that fantastic cross from Nani for the equaliser was one thing then he drives forward with the ball and sets up the winner and a goal and assist it's not a bad little body of work for uh, less than a half of football he's the forgotten man in a sense we're going to forget about him for a moment because we need to pay tribute to someone else before we get back to Chris Economides and the Big Blue um, Matt Simon's number retired by Central Coast fantastic to see a tribute from the fans despite the game being washed out around 5,000 Mariners fans stay to, to farewell someone who's contributed so much to their football club you don't see numbers retired too often in football it's a rarity but the Mariners have paid that tribute to Big Matty Simon to all my teammates throughout my career, I can't thank you enough because you know you don't get to, to play 16, 17 years without your teammates. So I love everyone, and uh, I'll see you soon. By all accounts, you know I've I've never met Matt Simon, but by all accounts, Macca was telling you know very moving stories. He had a tear in his eye as, 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 as that you know for someone that played with him alongside him as well. I think the number 19 retiring, it got across the line just because if you turn it upside down, it's actually 61, which is the number of goals he scored hey. for the Mariners. So it all, hey. it all makes sense. You should be a football commentator. I think, I think it all makes sense. Am I looking for something that's not there? Is that what you're saying? I think Matt Simon's progress uh, over the last couple of years has been really interesting. I did an interview with him last year. Um, he'd been studying emotional intelligence in leadership, and he was really... Uh, buying into this idea of, of being that sort of senior pro and, and talking about how if you don't understand yourself, you can't understand other people around you. I thought it's an extraordinary development for someone who'd, who'd sort of made a career as a battering ram and a, you know, a deliberately unsubtle sort of player, mm. um, but had become so important to the Mariners and all the troubles they've had over the, the last few years and the way they've come back again. He's been integral to that. It's such a shame that injuries forced him to retire because I think he you know, really would have enjoyed a, a, a last couple of years as, as a, such a senior professional. Luckily, he's going to stay with the club. Um, they're still working through exactly what that role is, but he'll be around the dressing room. He'll be a, a, a leader off the pitch. Um, but he's he's definitely it developed that. There's parts of his character that have developed over the last two or three years, which have been really interesting to see. He's an A-League icon. It's a 
very intelligent ball through the fullback. Nani across the face, surely. Chris Economides. Chris Economides, so back on him. He's almost the forgotten man of the Socceroos setup. Injuries played a major role in that. But you, know, you look back to that 2019 Asian Cup. Mabil on one wing, Economides on the other, and he thought this is the future of the Socceroos, and Chris has dropped off for, for reasons that are that are obvious. But yeah, he's another one for Graham Arnold to think about, because when Arnie first took the job, he was a player that was used by him regularly. Well, his, his moment last season was the winner in the cup final, which was a superb strike, and you see that quality on a, in, a, in an individual moment. The key, and this is the, not not just particularity for, for Chris Economides, but all footballers, is consistency. There are lots of players that can, in a moment of magic, produce something brilliant. For a coach and for a national team and moving forward, you have to do it over 90 minutes, week in, week out. He couldn't do that last year. Maybe that was coming back from serious injury. Maybe that was a rhythm thing. But, you know, he, I certainly agree with Smithies that when he came on, he... he changed that game on its head I reckon you can go back as well a couple of months to Manchester United game and getting on the end of that fantastic victory move to open the scoring it just sort of showed he was back and I think he's building on that he's he's gonna have to fight every week for his place there are so many good forwards at victory and he's got a coach who will not play him if he's not absolutely firing if he's not fully fit and he'll he'll be looked after to to make sure his body's right um, but I think he, it's a terrific challenge for him to earn a place in that starting eleven, and the beneficiary will be the national team. What a game. What a night. I mean, it was just a, a ridiculously exciting game of football. End-to-end open. It's rejected everything that the heavens were throwing down on it and triumphed as a footballing contest. It was great to watch. And uh, yeah, a couple of other games that may have been drab were born irrelevant, I think, because we had such an incredible game on, on the Saturday night to pin the opening weekend too. Yeah, I, it's a huge game on paper. Everyone was looking forward to it. I went along with, with mates and sat in the crowd. I think the safe standing zones in the stadium are brilliant as well. It's great to have active support back and, and letting them give voice to that to that passion that we know the A-League supporters have. So so that was brilliant. And yeah, the game was exciting. I mean, it was it was epic, wasn't it? It was torrential rain throughout the the two sides going for it it was physical the tackles were flying in there was a good crowd despite the weather and it it had all the ingredients and then it lived up to it and that's so important because when you go along when you make that effort you know the victory fans made that effort to be there the sydney fans showed up over twenty thousand, and and to to have the result of a thriller a five goal thriller at the end is just good for the game there was a moment in it maybe two minutes before the end or even in injury time where uh, Roderick Miranda gets the ball and decides that he's going to switch play. He's at left fullback and he, at, the, at that point, and he tries to switch play to the far side. They're three two up. He's got no thought of sitting on the ball, trying to nurse the win. It's like we're going for it, and it was just summed up the night. It uh, everybody, you know, it was total gung ho attacking. The, the lucky they didn't score on the counter attack though. Well, absolutely, <laughs> but um, and and if you look at some, I mean. That some of the defending was was a bit questionable, and that you know leads us into where Sydney FC are at because Alex yeah. Wilkinson had uh, sounds like a groin injury, which he'd already had during the week, and it got bad enough for him to come off. So you can't see him being available for this weekend. It doesn't sound like Jack Rodwell will be. Um, they've got young Aaron Gerd who could come in but wasn't taken off the bench. They preferred to put Ryan Grant at centre back. So there's uh, some headaches for Steve Corica this week. And 
Luke Bratton coming back from injury, playing in, in central midfield to try and afford that protection is going to take a little while to get up to speed. And, and Luke's the wrong side of 30 as well. So that, while they looked a lot better in attack with Joe Lolly and Robert Mack and Yazbek, who's a talent as well, feeding it through, what a ball that was for Robert Mack from him. I think defensively that is the concern on Sydney, both in terms of personnel and, and our age. So Wilco, it was always going to happen doesn't mean he won't bounce back. Arguably the best defender in the history of the A-League, a legend. Um, but it's going to happen eventually. Is it happening now? We don't know. Is it happening for Luke Bratton now? We don't know. But those question marks are, are even more stark now for Steve Corricker and Sydney FC fans. Yeah, I, I think it was always going to take a little bit of time to, to, to bed in a new formation, new players. We saw it across the whole weekend with the other teams as well. So many changes. All eyes are always on Sydney FC, though, particularly in a big blue. We know they're the most successful club in the history of the comp. They've been brilliant. They had a bad year. So there's pressure on Steve Corica as well. I, I, and I, not to sound like, you know, a, a wet blanket, but can you read too much into an opening day? I mean, the Wilco debate, they got rid of players they didn't think were worth it. He, they re-signed. They wanted him so badly to be that leader on the pitch. So to now say... You've got that wrong after after 45 minutes in a groin strain. I think is a bit rough on Sydney FC as well. They they know what they're doing. Hopefully, I mean they're they're a professional football club. They're making decisions, and we've got to give them the time to 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 stand by their decisions. I think. Yeah. On, on the plus side, I mean going forward, at times they look very good. I think Joe Lolly fantastic. I love his determination to run at players. I thought Robert Mack wasn't quite as influential, but showed some some stunning quality at times. Obviously, a great finish for the goal, a couple of sweeping long balls, and just some all-round intelligence. When they click, I think they're going to be a very good team going forward. And what the, the game for me, watching particularly from on high, showed is victories, the benefit of that team is has developed over time. And so they are used to playing with each other. And it, the, particularly the, the, the second two goals showed that they were goals born of a team that they understand each other. And Sydney need that time to develop that understanding. The interesting point about that is, though, that does Steve Corrigan necessarily have it? I mean, he's coming into the season under pressure. We know that. And moving to a new stadium, that adds an extra layer of that. I mean, if it takes two and a half months for it all to come together defensively, I think in attack they'll be okay. But defensively, if Rodwell's picks up another injury, if Wilco is out for a period of time, that is going to be an issue for them to, to consider because the fans are already impatient. They want results to improve from the off this season because they themselves are asking questions about the coach and whether he is the man for the next two to three years. Yeah, but that's that's when the the identity of the club and the club culture kicks in, and everyone has the support, and you stay solid. And Steve Corica, who's just signed a new two year deal, I mean, it's not like we're still umming and ahhing about his future. He signed a new deal in the second half of last season to stay on. They've put their money where their mouth is, and now they've got to stand by him because I agree. If in three months it's all falling apart at the seams, then there's going to be expensive changes and decisions that have to be made. But for the moment. They're, they're standing by their man. I also don't think it, that's going to happen. I think they'll be good enough in that betting-in period to get enough results that they'll be in, in the mix. And then I think you'll see... Uh, it, it all depends on injuries. Because there are, as you said, several older members of the squad who are very important to them. But if they stay fit, then I can see that the Sydney gathering momentum as the season goes on. I certainly hope that's the case for all of those players concerned, including the coach, Steve Corica, and I hope he's there for a long period of time. But these are the talking points that the fans are, are raising right now, mm. and so we must touch on them. Loved seeing Nani provide a fantastic assist for the Economides goal. 
The ball from Stefan Negro to him, though, was an absolute perler. And then Nani celebrations. The guy's won four Premier League titles, a Champions League crown, and he was there in his, his jockeys running the show in the Melbourne Victory celebrations. Anyone who says these marquees come for a holiday to top up their superannuation and then go back to their Portugal seaside resort are kidding themselves. He is here to win and contribute to this league and to that football club. Well, I think what Nani has shown and what maybe some signings from last year show on, in the, on the other side of the ledger is the importance of getting the right marquee. Exactly. Talking to, to Nani a week after he'd arrived, having quite a long chat with him and asking, what, you know, you've done everything in the game. Why are you here? And it was because I like winning things. I like winning matches and I like winning trophies. And he, that's what he'd come for. And you can see he's trying to drive that culture. And so that's why they're celebrating so hard because it would have been so easy for Sydney FC, have the homecoming, backed by a passionate crowd, etc., uh, to, to have swept them away. But, it, but victory you know, came back from a going a goal down and deserved to win. Yeah, there's not an ounce of fat on him. He's, he's, not, he's not a marquee that's come here with, with a big reputation but hasn't really achieved much. We're talking a next-level oh, yeah. footballer here. This is the elite of world football. You know, He was one of the best wingers in his, in his day, and he's still going at the age he is to be playing in Italy recently as well to come here. It's those players that, that like he says, they're, they're winners. They are born winners. They, if they're still playing... It's to win. They can't accept anything else. And that's why they've had the careers they've had. Will be the delivery to Austin at the near post. Kurto making the saves. Charlie Austin's another one who has come here with obviously the right mentality, but not only the right mentality to win on the field, to promote the game off the field. And I think Nani has done that as well. Um, and that's led to some fantastic commentary around the A-Leagues from Charlie Austin. And one on the weekend that raised a few eyebrows. He said, we battered them. Um, I'm not sure if they definitely did. MacArthur had plenty of opportunities. Anthony Carter misses an, an open goal. I thought the, bo- the Bulls moved the ball really well, and it was probably an even contest on the balance of play. But, hey, if Charlie wants to come out making strong comments, please continue to do so because uh, we're loving what he's doing off the field, and um, he's been pretty good on the field as well. That first A-League goal will come pretty soon, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think there's a certain amount of communication involved in that as well. You can't come off your first game and just like, oh, yeah. you know, we missed chance. We didn't create enough. It was d- disappointing. I mean, we, we saw the other game that was played yesterday between two sides that struggled to find the rhythm in Western Sydney Wanderers, and we'll chat about that in a moment. But both came off saying... That wasn't too bad. That was a good start to the season, which went against, you know, the tide of the tide of comment outside of the two clubs. But I, I think that's normal. And, you know, that was a really entertaining scoreless draw. That's two sides. You know, I, I was a little bit disappointed by MacArthur just because I think we saw them in the cup run. They do have such potential going yeah. forward. Dwight York made a couple of changes, but um, not enough to disrupt the rhythm of the side. They're They'll be a good team going forward. They they also perhaps just a bit of a cup hangover. I mean, it was only a week ago. That was a big emotional ride for the team for a lot of those players that had never won anything to then pick yourself up for the opening day of the season against a side that struggled last year that there hasn't been much talk about. You know, so there's a you know this is all new to Dwight York as well. There are there are steps in his coaching and his management. He'll go. Perhaps I needed to motivate the players a little bit more to be up for that one. But um, look, I thought I think Brisbane were pleasantly surprising as well. It was good to see a side go for it and show some character. And the key thing for me, from in terms of Charlie Austin being effective on the pitch and off the pitch, he's been fabulous. Yeah. Um, is that he doesn't try to be what he isn't. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and he chatting to him the other week about some of the coaches that he's he's played for like Sean Dyke at Burnley said to him you stay in the box we'll get you the ball Harry Redknapp said to him at QPR you've got people like Nico Cranshaw 
they will put the ball for you where you need to. You just be in the box yeah. and get on the end of it. And that's what we need him to do at Brisbane, not get frustrated and go outside the box looking for the ball, dropping deep. It's He needs to be in the box finishing because that's yeah. what he does so well. And if they can do that, then he'll score goals against everybody. Good point. And he almost did. I mean, that flashing header at the front yeah. post almost wins the game for Brisbane. And, and that will come for him. But you're right. Sometimes Marquis and fans expect them to get on the ball and take on four players because he scored a Premier League hat-trick. He didn't score a Premier League hat-trick doing that. Why would he try and do it here in, in the A-League? Um, it, it's be in those right places, and he will score plenty of goals doing that. A word in defence of Anthony Carter as well, who did miss that open goal, but had a fantastic shot on the volley in the second half as well that required a great save. I mean, they have the quality. He could have won that as well for MacArthur in a game where they didn't have chances and where he had that glaring mistake as well. He's such an interesting player, Anthony Carter, because you've got Azani, the Villa, Toure all around him. And he's sort of the focal point who has to bring it all together without a big name, without the glittering CV like some of the others. He's an interesting um, personality in the league as a result of that. But uh, on Azani, Tom, what per- a question without notice. What percentage chance would you give him of going to the World Cup? Uh, pretty small to be honest I think it's him or Quoll and there's just a momentum behind Quoll there's an unknown factor to him um, that people will look at Azani uh, in terms of who Australia is playing against at the World Cup people will know Azani that Quoll just has a freshness about him and I think um, I've loved the way that Azani has come back the the media work that he's done he's been happy to talk to everyone he's happy to talk about the struggles that he's had yeah. hasn't hidden away and and he's shown up on the pitch I thought he started the Australia Cup final at a million miles an hour he did fade which is probably a fitness thing um, but he still has that arrogance that, and he has that one-on-one ability um, but I don't think he's going to have long enough if the World Cup was taking place in six months I think he'd have an excellent chance mm-hmm. but I just think he's not quite got enough of a head of steam behind him in the way that Kowal does well, I think it's all a, a numbers game, isn't it? I mean, I, I tend to agree with you. I hadn't thought about it that much, but you can't. Can you take both? I mean, that's a Kuala and Arzani. That's for two players that are not proven at this level. Not in in the case of Arzani in recent, exactly. And you know, we've got twenty six players this year. I think it's an interesting one for for people at home to try as well. Come up with your squads because basically you've got. 10 outfield players, you need two players for every position, and this year we have an extra three. So you have a, a utility, an extra forward or an extra wide player. Depending, we, like, we like to play with wingers, attacking forwards. Do you want someone that can play a little bit central, like a Matt Leckie who can also play wide in midfield? What sort of extra midfielder are you looking for? An eight, a six, someone versatile? And in the centre of defence as well, it's, a, it's an, an interesting little game to try and come up with and then see how easy it is for Graham Arnold mm. to try and pick all these players and, and it's not that easy. I think the timing might hurt him. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I think you'll get to that level by the midpoint of the season, but it, it, the World Cup just might come too soon. I spoke to Craig Noon at the A-League season launch and we asked for Johnny Warren medal tips. He said Daniel Azani, and he said if he's not your tip, you're, you're making the wrong one. He is adamant he is going to light this league up. So... That was an interesting synopsis from someone who watches him day in, day out. And we saw it in the Cup. It's, it's happening. Maybe the World Cup just comes a little bit too soon for him. A straight red card for Jan Sass. Ben Abraham with no hesitation. Uh, inauspicious A-League debuts. Jan Sass perhaps contributes to that. I actually felt a little bit sorry for him. I don't think he meant to do that. I don't think the ref had any choice whatsoever. But I, don't, I think he slips. 
But he slips studs up. But he slips studs up. It was a perfect storm. It was highly unfortunate <laughs> from his point of view because uh, yeah, there was there was no intent. He did slip badly, but unfortunately, that what the slip did was magnify an ordinary challenge yeah, and turned it yeah. from a yellow into a red. One thing I thought was really cool though was Ollie Sales post-match interview and he was asked about it it was compl- like really articulate ways so that i can tell you there's no malicious intent but i don't have any problem with that refereeing decision and how often do we hear the the indefensible being defended and i'm not saying that was necessarily an indefensible tackle it was an accident that went you know that went badly wrong but i just thought it was really refreshing to hear someone go you know what we're not going to complain about this that was fair enough the ref got it right and um yeah it'll you know he'll serve a ban and um, and move on from it the wayne train's off and running ben wayne scoring again he's I mean, he's not an Aussie, but he's a fantastic young t- young talent in uh, in the A-Leagues that uh, is just tracking in the right way more and more. That was a lovely goal when Wellington were down to 10 men. Yeah, that was it was a crowning moment for that team in that performance as well because they'd been playing for a, over half an hour already or 40 minutes with, with 10 men. Um, and look, it looked for a long time like it was going to be the winner for them back at home as well. It wasn't the hardest of finishes. He had to be there, obviously. He had to follow in. Um he did some damage to the corner flag, which is always, you know, an, an A League tradition as well. So I think he's 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 got all the 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 right symbols in in his mind for how he's playing. Yeah, look, great player. I think he probably would have been disappointed with last year. Um, would looking to get more opportunities this year. Scoring helps, and it 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 poses the question to Ufuk Tale. Look, he's does he deserve a start? Should he start now? Ufuk knows what he's doing in training each week. He knows how he wants to play as well. Ben Wayne, he's a young player still. He has to he has to provide what the coach wants for him to play, and then he will play because he's got the pace, he's got the finishing, and he, you know he's got he's got what he needs to make it at this level. But he's got to put it together. Tidy finish from Ben Halloran for the equaliser. Do we file this away in the folder of Wellington is a difficult place to go to again because they haven't had this for a while. I mean, if that's played in Wollongong, they're home away from home last season, Adelaide with a one man advantage, they probably win. But it's you know it's difficult to get in, in in the basin over there in Wellington. It's it's tough to get momentum on the football field over there. I'm also going to file that under Wellington are a very difficult team to play against. I think they're really well structured. Yeah. They and it was really interesting because you assume they haven't coached or, or gone through this process of what happens if we go down to ten men after 25 minutes because it doesn't going to happen that often. But they did fall into a, a very effective structure. They they had more than one chance. I mean, they actually played. They had they made some attempt to attack. Um, it was, you know, it's it's a tiring day. It was, you could see how windy it was. It's it's not. It's it's really hard to maintain that intensity. But they did, and yeah, they were very unlucky not to uh, get the win. I'm going to file it under Adelaide doing Adelaide things, which is scoring in the last minute when it looks like finally they're gonna they're gonna succumb. And and Ben Halloran back as well, doing what what he does back and and on the score sheet in the last minute. I spoke to Carl Viet just before the start of the season, and he said, "Look, we we cross so much. We've got to score more goals. We 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 shouldn't be trying to get back into games in the last minute." They're still doing it. Maybe this is a, a process, but I know that's what they've been working on during the winter. And for the moment, they've got that character. They don't say, this one's gone. We're, they stay in the contest. They stay in the hunt. Even with a, a man up, they manage to get that equalising goal. That's that's the Adelaide we've seen over the last 12 months. How, comfort- how comfortably do you think Craig Goodwin will be sleeping in regards to his World Cup spot? I wouldn't th- say he'd be falling asleep the moment his head hits the pillow, no. Um, he he does have the, the one big advantage of being left-footed yes, um, and a yes. terrific you know, provider of a set piece, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I like his attitude as well, that he was seriously unhappy with the performance and made that, that clear. And we, um, you know, we've seen 
in sort of clips from some of the uh, behind the scenes stuff that we've been doing. The, you know, Goodwin has been very much driving what uh, you know that sort of lack. Of, we will not accept second best. There's a great quote from him in a training session. You know, I'd have thought you'd been a bit more motivated mm-hmm. training for a final, um, and those home truths are necessary. Um, but in terms of him in the World Cup, I think he's with, with 26. I think he's got a, a very good chance of going. Oh, and it just bounces up in front of Brady. It's an open goal and nodded in by Suleiman Kripic. I don't think there'd be too many people ordering the DVD of Western Sydney Perth from the weekend. It wasn't necessarily one to remember. The second 45 was better. I thought Western Sydney. Well, it could not be any worse, but they changed a few things. I thought Brandon Barello helped spark them a bit. He got into some dangerous areas centrally as a drive on goal, I think about 65 minutes in, and that sort of lifted the crowd a bit, maybe woke a few of his teammates up. And then, even though it's the scrappiest of, of goals, he does help provide it. So that was a good sign. Someone who struggled with injury, who was part of a Socceroos squad, one of those young winger options coming through, not going to make the World Cup necessarily, but he's starting to rebuild his career. Other than that, and the Kasuna Yengi interview, which was fantastic with his father Ben afterwards. There weren't too many talking points despite it being a, a handy three points for Mark Rudin to try to get things going. Yeah, but a first competitive match in a, in a long time for these two sides, two sides that have seen massive overhauls in the in the playing roster as well. And, and I, I saw in, in this game, you know, an identity, burgeoning identity in, the, in these two clubs. You know, they're Two, two sides that are going to be physical, that are going to be hard to play, that are going to show plenty of character. Um, and in midfield, I like Romano Malfitano. I, I like the way he got stuck in. I thought he, you know, there were there were positives in a in a match in which no, it wasn't free flowing, expansive football. It wasn't end to end stuff. But you know, not every game's going to be. This is this is the A League. It is what it is. And you've got two sides that are going to fight tooth and nail for everything. And I think the coaches. While not thinking, wow, this you know, I'm we're we're driving a Ferrari here, are going to be saying, okay, this is a boat, a ship that we've got pointed in the right direction, and now let's keep going. I guess the the two things they could take out of it from Perth, the, the structure looked decent, that they were well set up, the, the defence looked solid, um, they, then they they were, didn't offer too, too much going forward, but but they're going to be hard to beat. For the Wanderers, there is evident quality there. Um, and I remember saying to someone at the end of the first game of last season, which was the derby, what is the DNA of this team? That What is Carl Robinson trying to do? It was You couldn't make out what the pattern was. And I think you're right. Where there was just a hint of the pattern of the way they're trying to move teams around with the, those this um, ability of the players they've brought in. But it's just going to take a while for, for it to click. It always does. You can train and train and train, but until you've got actual opponents there who are trying to kick you mm. and you've got a, the pressure of the, of the crowd roaring and all that kind of thing, that is what is the catalyst then for those understandings to uh, to be created. Mark Rudin bristled post-game. I sound like David Brent there. Remember, Brent mused for the office fans. Tom's laughing. He would even know that line. Um, but he bristled post-match, Mark Rudin, about a question as to whether Western Sydney were unconvincing and uh, I didn't mind it from him I, I think you know, sometimes as a manager you got to pick your moments with with the media and he said oh we were one of the more convincing sides of, of the weekend he said in his post-match press conference so I'm not sure they were but you've said a win at home to start the season sometimes as a manager you pick a moment to fire back if you like at the press and and stand up for your team maybe that was a moment shrewdly for Roods to uh, to choose to do that even if he knows deep down they could have played a whole lot better on the whole from the from the Charlie Austin playbook of post-match interviews. Yeah, look, Rudes is always going to defend his side as well. We don't know what 
what they've been working on, what he's been saying to the side. They're coming out. Maybe, you know, a couple of players and almost certainly the squad is not near 100% physically either for that for that first hit out he wants he wants to shore things up we know he's a he's a solid tough taskmaster as well mark rudan so you know i i have no problem with him coming out that's a part of his communication as well that we've seen in the past is defend the players he's he's a he's a tough talking straight talking manager but behind that the players i think respect him it's got to be that message has to be coming through and if he's defending them all the better well, it just shows the fine margins. You know, they missed a penalty. Yeah. They could easily have walked away from that game with a draw, um, but it, they got one lucky goal. Uh, and suddenly that goal could be the, the, that win, gives them the confidence. They come into training Monday morning and they go, OK, this is coming together. We've got a win. The fans are, you know, given something for, for the time being. And suddenly we could, be, uh, we could be putting things together. I wonder if that will actually be a key moment in the season. Victory against Western Sydney is a cracker on the weekend. Western United, the champions, up against Sydney FC, who are coming off that loss to the victory. Very big game for Steve Corricker away from home. So uh, check out all the fixtures on keepup.com.au, of course. A big weekend of A-League action coming up. Thank you to our sponsors, Neds, taking it to the Neds level. You're a fishing wagering, wagering partner of the A-Leagues for their support. Thanks to Robbie Thompson and uh, Tom Smithies for joining me on the First Up podcast of the season and to everyone for listening and for your kind words always we're off and running eh boys these moves looking real nice in the future these moves looking real nice in the future these moves looking real nice in the future pull up on a minute look nice look nice these moves looking real nice in the future these moves looking real nice in the future these moves looking real nice in the future yeah, we look nice, future looking nice, we don't need to tell them twice. We the future. Yeah, we look nice, future looking real nice, we don't need to tell them twice. We the future.